You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Yep, Tommy is here. It's Thursday. The show's presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. Aaron is here, too. Happy Valentine's Day to both of you. Happy Valentine's Day to you, sweetie. Uh, it's good to see you, <laughs> sweetheart. Um, thanks to all that reached out and said yes they too remembered school holidays for Lincoln's birthday and Washington's birthday before we had the whole President's Day weekend thing. But most emerge. did not have off on Lincoln's no, birthday. No, mo- I, I got a lot of people yes. that agreed with me that said they remembered too having Lincoln's birthday off and Washington Washington's birthday. Uh, off. I got a lot of people that said we didn't get Lincoln's birthday. A off. A lot of people got back to me and said they did. So in Montgomery, I think it's probably a DC thing. Well, it was growing up in Montgomery County. All right, and going to elementary school in the seventies, we got Lincoln's birthday off on February twelfth, and then got Washington's birthday off on the twenty second. You know, I'm thinking the Lincoln's birthday was much more of a north of the Mason Dixon line maybe, holiday. Maybe it was. <laughs> maybe it was not celebrated in the deep south. Uh, but you didn't grow up in the deep south. No, I didn't. So no, I did. I, I, I don't understand why that. happened. All right, we have just a lot of things to to touch on, but we're going to start with the Redskins because I did want to get your reaction to uh, Governor Hogan in Maryland essentially saying uh, the MGM, the National Harbor spot, is going to be a no-go for the Redskins. What's your reaction to it? I don't know what the motivation is for Hogan to do this publicly at this point. I know you have speculated on the podcast that uh, in a way, whatever you know, whatever talks that, the, that the Maryland had with the Redskins uh, the, the state felt like uh, they wanted to back the Redskins off, maybe gain a little leverage by saying, well, we're out of it at, at this point. I don't understand what that leverage is because it's a simple deal. I mean, it, with the Redskins, part of the deal for the state is simple. You know, uh, you get the land, uh, you pay for the stadium, we pay for the infrastructure. I understand that. That so I don't understand. It's not a leverage thing. It's more of a posturing thing because the discussions perhaps not have not gone as simply as you just described. That's Maybe. the position that the, the that DC will take, that Maryland will take if Virginia were involved, which they're not. They would take, which is, hey, we got you the land. You're building the stadium. Period. And we'll build some infrastructure. We'll get some roads so it makes it easy for people to get in and out of the the parking lots. Here. Right. But what I'm saying to you is that I think perhaps there's a chance that whatever conversations uh, have taken place, that they didn't go to the liking of Hogan and, and they got frustrated and said, you know what, to hell with all of you. Remember, they didn't say they were out forever. They said they were out for now. Right, right. And And I don't know if the MGM has any particular interest or influence in terms of seeing this happen. Uh, I don't think they particularly care. I don't know if they do one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, to have the Redskins as as their neighbor, it seems like a, a, a natural marriage, in in many ways with the with legalized sports betting coming uh, everywhere. Uh, so I don't know what the business pressure will be or the business uh, the business benefits other than the tax revenue for Maryland to go ahead and being the Redskins stadium business. The D.C. is so complicated right now because 
They didn't get the federal legislation that they wanted to change the use of the land before the Congress right. switched at the end and of the year it, because they basically because they were locked out. Right. There was a lot, you know. Yeah. So now it's it's it, that's not going to happen probably. Uh, and the whole premise of D.C. is they would sell Dan Snyder on on having the development rights for valuable waterfront property along the Anacostia that, that just sat there with nothing on it for years in exchange for basically, you know, him paying for the stadium, a new stadium at the RFK site. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to make that offer to him. They still may be able to make the RFK offer site, but uh, Snyder's going to have to pay the freight for everything else, and they just give him the land. Uh, I think that's the best the district will do. And to be honest with you, uh, I think uh, the Redskins champion in this, it's Jack Evans, the district council member. Uh, He's got his own issues. Yeah, he has his own issues. Uh, I know that they felt that going into this uh, Redskins stadium thing on the city council, they had a vote that was set up pretty much like uh, the baseball vote, 7-6. to six. Hmm. I'm not sure that's the case anymore. And here's part of the problem, and I think what happened with Maryland is is just as feasible. And again, I have no particular inside information. Nobody wants to stand next to Dan Snyder. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think anybody's going to do this because they like the team. But but I mean, I think sometimes when you have a situation like this, what you need to do is you need to sell. You need to you need to have a larger than life presence to basically make a sales pitch. Look, I. I Edward Bennett Williams, who was one of the biggest larger-in-life figures there was of the 20th century, the trial lawyer, when the Orioles were trying to get the new stadium at, at, in Baltimore uh, and they were looking for lottery funding, they had to convince the state legislature to approve that. And Williams, who was dying of cancer, had to go in front of the state legislature in Maryland and basically make the pitch and win them over. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to do that. And I think in a situation like this, sometimes you need someone like that. And well, and Dan there, Snyder's there, not that there are guy. Couple, there are a couple of jokes off of that. There are a couple of wishes off of that that, that <laughs> yeah, many Redskin but, fans would have. I know, but, but, but my but point we're is not, We're not mean-spirited in no, that way. No, we're not going to do that. But Snyder's not that guy. No, he's not. You know, but but we keep hearing what a great salesman okay, so, he is. So let me, what, what a great closer he is. Let me address well, that. Well, if he's a great salesman and he's a great closer, this needs to be his biggest sales pitch. Let me address that. That's an interesting thing that you just brought up because over the years, um, I think all of us have heard what a great salesman Dan Snyder is. And, you know, to have been the entrepreneur that he was early on, he had to have been able to sell. All right. Just just understand to attract some of the investors that he attracted uh, to his early businesses, he had to be able to sell. I mean, he must have been not only a good salesman, he must have also been relentless and, and energetic and, um, and, and, you know, all of the things that tend to make up a successful entrepreneur. However, in recent years, it's not that he isn't a good salesman. This is, by the way, based on conversations, but not knowing for sure. So I'm, I'm saying this as more of a gut feel based on being what I would call a keen observer of the human condition over the course of my <laughs> lifetime. And I feel you, I, I feel that you are as well. 
Um, I think that the the recl- he's become a recluse, Tommy, in I would say at least the last five years as it relates to public speaking, as it relates to apparently league meetings. There is something going on where he's very uncomfortable um, as a communicator in front of larger groups. And I think that's one of the reasons Bruce is here and continues to stay here. I think Bruce has been this security blanket. Bruce has more relationships in the league. Yes. He's a more he's been more of a presence in league meetings. Um, I think Dan felt, you know, that he's better than I am <laughs> in front of the public in 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 these press conferences. And now Bruce has become a bit of a recluse yeah. in recent years, and they've pushed Doug out there. Now it's not. Probably for the same reasons, Bruce understands he's under siege to a certain degree, and you know, and, and really, he shouldn't be that fearful because the the the, the few opportunities that uh, he's had in smaller settings have been a joke. Yeah, you know, like on Super and Radio Row Super Bowl week. I mean, you know, he landed in very safe places, so he shouldn't be worried about that. But I, I think that Dan is still a great salesperson, but my hunch is that he's a very good salesperson in a very small setting, one-on-one, one-on-a-couple with a group of people, including people like Bruce there with him. But if he's got to get up and he's got to communicate and he's got to influence a large gathering, that would be a problem, I think. And I don't even think he'd do it. I don't think he would. I don't think he'd be very good at it at at this point. And uh, they don't, again, what do they have to sell a jurisdiction? What do they have to set to pitch to say, boy, you should build us a stadium because blank? Well, some people would say, because if not, we we're leaving the market. That'll never happen. Right. So no one's going to take that seriously. Uh, no one would take that seriously. And I, you know, I mentioned this yesterday that if it were five years ago or four years ago, and there were no teams in Los Angeles, and you know he's got a lot of Hollywood connections, yes, he does. that that threat might be a little bit more legitimate. It's not going to be legitimate now. Where the hell would he move the team? Like what markets right now? London. Well, that would be the one. You know what? I mentioned, you know, San Diego and St. Louis. There's not a North American market that is so desperate and would be such an absolute no. gold mine no. to move into. But uh, Rick Snyder actually in his in in one of his columns mentioned London uh, uh just the other day as, as a possibility. Uh you know, I I look, I went back and looked in my files for when Cook was trying to get a stadium built, and that was a 10-year process from the time he started yep. until FedEx opened. And Snyder's walking in the same path that Cook did. We all love Jack Kent Cook and the memory of Jack mm-hmm. Kent Cook, but he was known as the bully billionaire. I mean, he, he made a lot of enemies. And Cook, in the midst of a Super Bowl run from 87 to 92, couldn't get a stadium deal finished, you know? So if if Cook couldn't do it, who turned off a lot of people, but not to the level that Snyder does, couldn't get it done at that time and wound up, again, taking the the probably the least attractive situation, a piece of land in PG County that was difficult to get to and building a stadium quickly that uh, out of a, a kit he got at Home Depot 
what makes you think that Snyder's going to do any better than what Cook did? All I can say is that I'm terribly proud to have won two out of three Super Bowls, and the entire credit goes to Joe Gibbs, to Bobby Beathard, the assistant coaching staff, and a magnificent band of football players. I hope to be in a Super Bowl next year. There he is. The, the owner that we all loved. But he was a complex man. Yes, he was. And he wasn't easy to deal with. No, and uh, for whoever you think was right or wrong, I mean, Cook was Cook had this great relationship with Doug Wilder in Virginia, the governor at the time. That stadium didn't get built because right. people, uh, people and particularly in the Alexandria-Arlington area, they fight everything. Uh, he had a falling out with Sharon Pratt-Kelly, oh, yeah. uh, you know, because uh, she was a, a woman didn't deal with with Cook very well, uh, and so that didn't get done. And but but you know, Marion Barry was the mayor before that, and for four years Cook couldn't get a deal done with him either. So I mean, it wasn't just Sharon Pratt Kelly. And then he wound up settling because he he felt time was running out. He wound up settling for for PG County, uh, and ironically. I think Snyder's only option is going to be to basically stay where he is uh, uh, on the on the on the property that he owns. So is that your prediction here on February 14th that they're going to have to stay in Landover on the current spot um and they're they'll tear something down and rebuild yes. it there and then where are they going to play the for the two years while it's being built? Uh well that's interesting. Yeah. I mean that's interesting. They could play at Bird Field. I heard they it's used to not, have. Can't I heard call they, it Bird Field anymore. Oh, Bird I heard, Stadium. I heard they Capital used to have, One Field. I heard they used to have football there. Do they? <laughs> well, actually, they might have pretty good football there year uh, oh, coming up in oh, the, by the next way, few years. By the way, I, I was sitting next to Mike Loxley at the Maryland game. Oh, you were? Yes, I was. I didn't. I mean. Not right now. He was across the aisle from Did me. Did you talk to him? No, I didn't. I don't know him from that. Why didn't you introduce with, yourself to him? He, he was, was actually with Nick Cross too. He's actually a really he seemed, he engaging like because, good guy because so many people were walking up and talking to yeah. him. Uh, and uh, there were a couple of media that talked to him, and then Maryland uh, PR kind of shushed him away. So, I mean, I wasn't there to talk about Mike. No, you were And and to be honest with you, if I was to go up and talk to Mike Loxley, I say, Coach. I wrote a lot of bad stuff about this program. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to talk to me. Well, I mean, that's all right. I, I, I think a guy like him would actually understand it. Okay. I, I, I don't think he would be overly sensitive. Well, anyway. But I don't know. So, anyway, so, my, so my that's po- your prediction. My prediction is... Because I want to move on from the stadium uh, my thing. My prediction I is I think Snyder... Is, it, Nobody wants to stand on a stage with Snyder and say, yeah, we've got a deal. I think it'll get built um, in D.C., a new one in D.C., or it'll end up being at the National Harbor site. I think one of those two, and I think we'll have resolution on it within six months. Um, and somehow, some way, it's going to be it's going to be financed. It's going to be built primarily out of his pocket. Yes. That's probably what has changed more than anything else, although I don't even know if that's a significant change. I think that we were heading in that direction think, anyway. Again, I think the deal for DC has always been right. that. Agreed. I mean, so, but, but the, the carrot they were going to give him was a chance to make money on that developmental property uh, along the river. Now they don't have that carrot right now. Uh, I, I don't see, um, I don't see that uh, they'll end up in Landover. By the way, all of this for, for those of you that have, thought that, you know, oh, we're a few years away from a new stadium. No, this won't happen. They won't be playing in a new stadium until 2027. I mean, we're eight years away from them actually playing in a new stadium. 
by the way, while you were talking about, um, uh, you referred to a Rick Snyder column. Yes. So Jeremy Huber, who used to work at the old, old station um, and uh, is, a, is a friend of mine, texted me. He texted me, Rick Snyder did a poll on Twitter. Would you accept the old Cleveland Browns deal of Redskins leaving and an expansion team arriving a few years later? 76% say yes, 24% say no. And I did uh, talk about this yesterday because I thought the two interesting reactions to the Maryland news were, who cares? Meaning a new stadium is not going to get me back. You know, not with this group of people. Winning's going to get me back, but a new stadium. And, you know, Tommy, there's been all this um, research done that if you're a down-in-the-dumps franchise, what the best chance of being lifted back up is a new stadium, star player, or significant winning. And in the case of this franchise where they are right now, it's significant winning. That's what will change it. A new stadium. There needs to be another there, word added to the What? Significant, consistent winning. Yes, but but I mean a a winner with a star in a new stadium would be the trifecta. Yes, it would. But but they've gotten themselves into a place that a lot of other franchises didn't franchises really haven't um, been in. And, and I'm talking about the spot they are in right now. Um, I'm sure Cleveland's been there. I'm sure the Raiders have been there. There are other various franchises that have been in at true rock bottom. The Cardinals, but et cetera. Look, if we're talking but, about the Raiders. You just mentioned the Raiders. Mm-hmm. They're leaving. They're leaving. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't think And there's... Oakland doesn't want them to leave. No, and I don't think there's been any situation where uh, you had a franchise that was such an elite franchise. Right. Such an elite. I mean, uh, the Browns, it's a great football city. It was a great franchise, but they hadn't won a ch- championship since 1964. Right. I mean, to fa- the, the fall the Redskins have had, from the Super Bowl era is unlike any other fall in the history of the league, I think. Um, One thing before I get to a a quarterback discussion about the Redskins and a particular story that was written on ESPN this morning that I wanted to touch on briefly. When you were here Tuesday, I didn't ask you about what you thought about the various reports. John Keim had it. Julie Donaldson, the NBC Sports Washington people had it about the discussions between Adrian Peterson and the Redskins, your position about whether or not the Redskins should try to re-sign Adrian Peterson. Well, again, uh, from a football point of view, I think they should. Uh, we have no look. Everyone was hype, hyped up about Darius Geis before he got hurt. We had no guarantee he was an NFL running back. We thought he was. I agree with you. He looked like he was going no, to I be. I agree with you on this. So we so even before he got hurt, we didn't know. Okay, so and and now you're going into a situation where whoever the quarterback is, they're going to need help. Who whether it's Colt McCoy, a free agent they bring in or a rookie quarterback, whoever the quarterback is for the Redskins next year, they're going to need help offensively. That's why you've got to resign Adrian Peterson. I wouldn't resign Adrian Peterson, but my strategy is to blow the whole thing up. I would blow the whole thing up, and I'd, tra- I'd trade Ryan Kerrigan. I would trade Trent Williams. I wouldn't be thinking about anybody at 33 years old, and I'd thank him for his services because he was great last year at times. Why can't he be Rigo? Um, b- b- he, well, he can be Rigo, but you're not. But R- but Rigo had the Hogs in front of him, had Joe Theismann at quarterback, had a Hall of Fame receiver in Art Monk, and had Richie Pettibone and Joe Gibbs as his coaches. <laughs> Um, so 
Uh, by the time they are ready to win with the new coaching staff and new players and hopefully a new team president, Adrian Peterson's going to be 37 years old or 36 years old. You I'm don't need Adrian Peterson right year. now. Darius Geis next year. And if you really are, are interested in a running back, you know, there are guy there there's some guys out there if Darius Geis isn't going to be ready, go get Tevin Coleman for less money. Um anyway, I, I'm not going to have a problem if they re-sign him. I just don't please don't commit a lot of money to Adrian Peterson. Uh, so there was this story that I was reading early this morning, and it's you know ESPN and everybody this time of year. It's every it's th- three big NFL stories a day. There must be you know a meeting on the day after or shortly before the Super Bowl that says all right right when the Super Bowl's over, we got to have all of our you know columns and ideas ready to roll because we need three of them a day. Three NFL stories. It's the only thing that probably truly draws eyeballs. And so every day there is which team's going to sign, you know, who's Le'Veon Bell going to end up with? Who's Antonio Brown getting traded to? What's the quarterback carousel and how's that going to play out? Well, this morning there was a discussion about Teddy Bridgewater and the predictive, you know, column on where he is going to end up. And I was really interested in the fact that a lot of people believe that Teddy Bridgewater is going to end up in Washington. It was uh, the question was asked to a lot of ESPN reporters, beat reporters for teams and other and just NFL writers. If free agent quarterback Teddy Bridgewater isn't in New Orleans in Week One, he'll be in fill in the blank. Um, Matt Bowen, who I'm I'm a big fan of Matt Bowen. I think he really knows football. Uh, Matt Bowen wrote. Washington. He said drafting a quarterback on day one or day two should be on the table for the Redskins. Um, With Alex Smith potentially unable to play, look for Washington to target Teddy Bridgewater on a two-year deal similar to the deal that Sam Bradford landed in Arizona last year, which was a two-year $20 million um, I think it was I think it was a two twenty million dollar per season deal, but there was a lot of incentives in that, and it was structured without a lot of it necessarily guaranteed for for cap reasons. Um, it was a team favorable uh, team favorable deal. Um, then uh, let me go through the rest of them because I, I was surprised how many said Washington. Uh, Mina Kimes, I actually like her. Um, Washington, Jason Reed. Uh, who writes for the Undefeated, Washington, Mike Sando, Washington, Kevin Seifert, who I actually like a lot, Um, Washington, Seifert writes, Bridgewater won't find a better chance to play regularly in 2019, assuming the Jags land Nick Foles. The Redskins won't find many better options to replace Alex Smith. Although he hasn't started a regular season game since 2015, Bridgewater showed during the 2018 preseason that his right knee is healthy enough to support a return to the field. Uh, No other team had more than one guess. Actually, the Giants. Um, Graziano uh, thought the Giants for Bridgewater uh, and Field Yates thought the Giants for Bridgewater. So you had four Washingtons among the group. And we talked a little bit about Teddy Bridgewater during the, you know, after the Alex Smith thing. I've always been a Teddy Bridgewater fan. I always felt like coming out of college and the, the, the few years that he had as a starter in Minnesota, that eventually he would develop into a good starting NFL quarterback. But 
When I watched him in that one game that that he started for Drew Brees when they had clinched everything at the end, he looked terrible. Yeah, he did. He looked awful. Now, that's one of those games where they're resting a lot of people, and it's hard to judge or take a lot out of that game, just as it should be to take a lot out of preseason games. I'd have to be really convinced that Teddy Bridgewater is completely fine health-wise and is back to where he was before a devastating injury. You know, uh, when he was in Minnesota. But I do like Teddy Bridgewater. And as a fan of the team, trying to think optimistically, at least, you know, in moments about what's the best case, what if they're not going to use the blow up option in 2019 and they're going to try to put together the best team possible, Teddy Bridgewater would be on my list. I would consider him if you could get him for a deal that, you know, already accounting for 20 plus million with Alex Smith in 2019, where you don't end up with 20% of your cap dedicated to the quarterback position, which is going to be hard for them to do. But if they, but they could structure something with Bridgewater where hopefully it wouldn't be a massive cap hit for the next two seasons. I like him. I would be for this. In the in in the mindset, Tommy, I have two mindsets. I want him to blow it up. That's what I want. I think that's the best course of action. I don't think they'll do that because they think they're so close. So then you move over to, okay, you don't want to blow it up. That's the best option. Fine. How do we put together the best team for 2019? I don't think you do that personally with Colt McCoy or Josh Johnson. So, and I in the rookie quarterback, it's possible, but the likelihood is whoever you draft in at quarterback, if you draft a quarterback in the first round at 15, more likely than not, he's not going to give you what Teddy Bridgewater could give you in 2019 and 2020 as a veteran. More likely than not. I think Colt McCoy is going to be your starting quarterback. Uh, I don't think, if he's not... It's a Dan Snyder driven move. I think that that Colt, I think that Colt will be the starter going going into the season. I think they'll they'll draft a quarterback, not necessarily at fifteen, not necessarily in the first round, but uh, I think that that Jay look if if they didn't think that Colt, I mean it's as as fragile as Colt McCoy seems to be, and he seems to be very fragile. He's been their backup now for what four or five years, okay? I mean, you're not keeping a backup quarterback on the roster and keep paying him because uh, you don't think he can stay healthy. Uh, so I think that Colt McCoy is going to be the starter going into next year. Teddy Bridgewater, they're not bringing in Teddy Bridgewater, and 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 have him start over Colt McCoy. They're just not going to do that. Um, I don't think they're going to either. I mean, it's different from me saying want, that I would want that I would do. be okay with it. Right. Um, I don't think they'll do it either. Um, and I think that you are right. I think that they're going to draft somebody. Yeah. Now I, you know, now I'm conf- I'm contradicting my my bold prediction from a couple of weeks ago where I said I don't think they'll draft somebody at 15. Um, b- 
because but my but my reasons for that were somewhat exaggerated because I said, look, Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder, Dan Snyder basically middle fingered the fan base on Bruce Allen, and now everybody's telling him he's got he's got to draft a quarterback, so he's going to do the same thing in the draft. He's going to say, don't tell me what to do, and then he'll draft. Yeah, you know, but he he, a, a li- he likes drafting quarterbacks. He doesn't uh, yeah, like know. firing his so friends. I think that next year's starter. To start the season probably comes from either it's either Josh Johnson or Colt McCoy. I don't know where you get this Josh Johnson love. I, I mean, I don't, I, think, I don't have love for him. I think I just think they're going to try to resign him if they bring in and a, have him compete with Colt. If they bring in a quarterback, it's going to be to back up Colt McCoy. I mean, Josh Johnson is not a capable backup. Josh Johnson is not a capable starter. Um, but that's not the point. Either is Colt McCoy. And in their mind, they like both. They like Colt McCoy, and they like Josh Johnson. Except Josh Johnson was their fourth quarterback. I know that, but when he played the game against uh, Tennessee and the game against Jacksonville, those two starts, you could argue that the game against Jacksonville – May have been the most effective start by a quarterback the entire season. Yeah, but you no, might, that's not true you because might, you might Alex as, Smith yeah. had a good start against Green Bay. Yeah, you might as well have been playing uh, the cons in uh, the no, longest well, yard. No, not Tennessee. He no, played well no, against, against Tennessee. Tennessee, but the Jacksonville game was, was true. I mean, but I, a good defense that had just shut out the Colts. Yeah, I know that two but, weeks but, before. But an absolute mess of of of, of a team at that point. I I think. <sighs> I think if you do go in with Colt McCoy as your starting quarterback, knowing his injury history, you've got to have a better backup than Josh Johnson. Oh, I think they want. I, I would. I think they're talking to Josh Johnson right now. I think that they are going to try to get Josh Johnson to sign, you know, a heavy incentive laden deal, not a lot of guaranteed money. That's what they would like to do. Um, Josh Johnson didn't put himself in position with two starts to have this big market. No. All right. But he did put himself in position to have the team that he started three games for want him back. I, you know, I don't know how this is going to go. Like, I, I wanted to just say to you, what's your prediction? But I don't even know what my prediction is. I think it's going to be Johnson and McCoy competing for the starting job in training camp and Colt McCoy winning the job and starting the opener in 2019. And still drafting. With, still with drafting. a quarterback that they may or may not take in the first round. I would lean towards not taking in the first round. I'm not convinced on that. But taking a quarterback at somewhere... Um, somewhere along the way in the top three, four, five rounds that they can view as a developmental quarterback. I think think that's what they're going to do. Because they think that Colt McCoy, had he not broken his leg in the Philadelphia game, would have led them to the playoffs. I know they think that. And they think Josh Johnson was very close to leading them to the playoffs in the the Tennessee game by keeping them alive. Well, again, I I think you're right. I think that's what's going to happen, but I think a, a smarter move would be to have a better backup than Josh Johnson. But again, it's not that. You know what? Let me just take. What about out, Ryan Fitzpatrick? Would let you, me, no. Instead of Teddy Bridgewater, would you take Ryan Fitzpatrick instead? Would I? No. Let me just. Point, what about Tyrod Taylor? No. Can I? What I'm, about trading for Nick Foles? 
what with the Eagles? Yeah, trading with the Eagles to Nick Foles. <laughs> haven't haven't we suffered enough at the in hands trades of the Andy Reid tree? Yes. You know, uh, it's again, not, that can't happen. They can't afford Foles, people. Right. Uh, all and right. Let me so, just let me just read my Surgeon General's warning that that really pisses every the the five Redskins fans that are still out there off. Uh, it really doesn't matter. It it really doesn't I matter know. who plays quarterback, okay. who coaches the team. It doesn't matter. You know, I feel the same way now. I do. I I just don't. I don't see it. Like I'm I'm being I'm beating a dead horse here. Other than the fact that the NFL is designed to have a season here and here and there, once out of every four or five years. Other than that, I just don't see, see it. And, is, I'm, and, is... I, and I don't and I don't think it's ever going to change as long as Dan Snyder owns the team. And if Bruce Allen's running the team, it's really not going to change. Again, and I think I've said this with you, but perhaps not. If you were totally outside of the day-to-day drama of the Redskins as a fan or a media member or just living in this market, and you were looking at this team but you were a football fan, you would look at starting after the owner and after Bruce Allen, you would look at the coaching staff situation and you would say, my God, people left there for lateral moves, not even promotions. Other people wanted to leave. They wanted to get rid of their defensive coordinator, but no one would take the gig. They, they, Their head coach is, for all intents and purposes, a lame duck. How can you possibly predict more than six wins? For a team in this position, <laughs> you can't. If you you're can't. if you're being objective, universally they are going to be picked as a double-digit loss team. You may have some people say seven and nine. No one, not one preseason prediction will you be able to find in this offseason that has the Redskins at better than eight and eight in a wild card team. Not one. When you find it, send it to me. Yes. I agree. Uh, not that that means anything, but it's a reasonable evaluation of the team as it stands now. Now, I say that because you're right, but what are we going to do? Not talk about the team? Well, no, no, So no. you have to put it in the context of let's have a conversation about the best way to improve the roster. You see, this was my point of 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 going back to the old ways and winning the off season. Uh, this is why they I, need, I'm, I'm all for it. They, they, I wanted them to trade for Flacco. I, I wanted them. I want them to trade for Antonio Brown. I want them to mortgage their future. I, I want those draft picks gone. You weren't on the show the, the, the day. It was one of your seven vacations that you've taken <laughs> since November. But I, I said if Dan Snyder's going to suck at being an owner, which he has, he might as well suck doing it his own way. Absolutely. Might Let's have well. a little bit of fun. And here's the reality of that. And it's not tongue-in-cheek. It couldn't be worse than what it's been. If he went back to big-name trades, signing big free agents, winning the offseason in terms of free agency, etc. It wouldn't be any worse than it's been. There's it, no it, point, it couldn't. No, there's no point in being frugal if there's no payoff. No, Bruce Allen has been the master at signing average players to great deals. He's been phenomenal at that. And by the way, there's an opportunity for him. Pierre, Gus- Pierre Garçon is apparently available. <laughs> San Francisco, uh, according to reports, they're going to release Pierre. So Bruce might be able to get a great deal on Pierre right now. Um, anyway, uh, I guess that's it's all it. good. I guess that's it's it all good. Redskins. That's what Pierre would say. 
It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. I do remember that. We, well, all... the, the season we had him as, as, as a regular on the sports fix? He made big news with us. He said something he shouldn't have said. It ended up being on the ESPN crawl. I can't even remember what it was. It was, it Griffin. was about Griffin. It was about Griffin. Yeah. And then the next week he came on with us, we couldn't get a word out of no. him the rest of the year. And that was the rest of the year. The rest of the yeah. year. Couldn't get a word out of him. Because <laughs> they said, don't talk to these guys. Um <laughs> Uh, real quickly on the Wizards, last night you wrote a column about Ernie, the arsonist uh, fireman column. Yes. Um, the <laughs> last night's game, I, I can. I, let me just give a plug here for the broadcast. Um, we both love Phil Chenier, and I miss Phil being on the broadcast. So do I. I really do think that Carol Lawson does a really good job. And, of course, I am never going to be objective about Buck who was the first person out of college that I worked for. Um, and he's a dear friend. And I think he is flat out one of the best play-by-play people um, in all of sports. I think he's just so good. But that broadcast is good. And Chris Miller does a phenomenal job. He's so good with the players in these halftime interviews and the post-game interviews that he does on the floor. The players clearly like him, respect him. Um, and I, it, it's a good broadcast. Anyway, that that, that that's an aside to... You know, the games that the Wizards are playing right now, even the games they lose, are entertaining. (laughs) They are actually, I mean, you talk about fast-paced, up-tempo, many possessions, quick shots, lots of threes, lots of fast-break basketball. That's what they're involved in. They played a game last night in which they had a 12-point lead. Um, midway through the third quarter at Toronto. Now, Kawhi Leonard was not playing last night for for Toronto. Um, and the Wizards are, are knocking down shots from everywhere. Everybody's looking great. And they got a 12-point lead. That 12-point lead went to an 11-point deficit. So a 23-point swing in four and a half minutes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> in four and a half minutes. You know what I'm it thinking? Was, what? I'm think, and I haven't seen any, so this may be a reach. But it sounds like a G League game. It's a, it's summer league. It's urban. Yeah. I, I I always refer to Urban Coalition because some of you who are of of my age remember the Urban Coalition summer league, which was which which was primarily NBA players played at Dunbar. And my father took me to some of those summer league games when I was a kid. I remember going down there, and and I think I've told you this story. A, a vivid memory. Gus Williams. You remember Gus Williams? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Who played for the Sonics. Played for the Sonics. Won the, the title Knicks. and then got traded here. And played in Washington yeah. to, I think he finished up his career here. I, I, he may have gone to another place after here. Gus Williams was a six foot two inch, you know, uh, point guard, but scoring point guard. He could score. And he was part of the backcourt with Dennis Johnson in Seattle that beat the Bullets in 1979 when they played back-to-back. The Bullets beat the Sonics in 78 in the NBA Finals, and then the Sonics beat the Bullets in five games in 1979. Um, DJ, uh, Dennis Johnson, was the MVP of that series. I'm pretty sure he was, he was the MVP. Sigma was really good in that series, too. But, but that was Gus the team Williams, that had, they had Lonnie Shelton, Lon- and they had Marvin Webster. Uh, Marvin Webster was on the 78 team. Okay. I don't think he was on the 79 team. I could be wrong. Sigma, Gus Williams, Dennis Johnson, John Johnson, um, you know, uh, and Lonnie Shelton. Fred Freddie Downtown Brown was on the '78 team. Yeah, Shelton. Yeah. Anyway, Gus Williams was a scorer. I was down 
this is one of those memories you never forget. Gus Williams, Dunbar, Urban Coalition, I don't know what year it was, maybe 1983, 82, something like that. He walks into the gym. The game's already started. He's in a bright white fila sweatsuit. Remember, everybody loved those fila, all the tennis wear that everybody wore. And he walks in, he peels off the fila white sweatsuit, checks into the game midway through the second quarter, puts 73 up in about two and a half quarters, puts the suit on and walks out of the gym. (laughs) 73! And it was just like, I mean, but that's what these games have looked like. Some of these Wizards games have looked like these NBA Summer League games from back in the day where nobody checked anybody. And the final scores were 175 to 162. And, you know, last night it was 129-120. But Toronto scored 35 points in the final six and a half minutes of the quarter. That's what they scored, 35 in the final six and a half minutes of the quarter. And this guy Siakam, who you know has become a really good player, had 19 points in six and a half minutes against them. Anyway, Meanwhile, they, did you see what Otto Porter did? With yeah, he had Chicago? 37. I was following it on Twitter. <laughs> uh, people t- were tweeting me saying, "Have you? are you watching Otto? He's got 21 <laughs> in the first half. But you know what? Portis has played well. Jabar- Jabari Parker had 22 last night. At, at Jabari Parker at halftime, Tommy, had 10, 7, and 6, I think it was. I mean, he was near, near triple-double at halftime. Um, anyway, they lost the game. They're not very good. They're terrible on defense. They have nobody to stop anybody from getting to to the rim. But it was the games that they're playing are actually entertaining games. Like the game they played the other night and lost to Detroit. Entertaining. You know what the Wizards can do? They can score. Like they 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 can really you know, score. You know what? That's hard to believe in this NBA. Oh, I know. That that you can score. I, know. I find I, that difficult okay. to believe. Right. That's an accomplishment. Sarcasm. But you're right. It's and and you know what, Tommy? It's so hard to stop people. Like the Wizards are a bad defensive team, which is why they've got no they're not going to make the playoffs. I, I don't I don't care how many games back they are. They're not making the playoffs. And um they're bad. But you know what? It's it's pretty much hard to stop anybody in the NBA. It really is hard to stop people. Yeah, it is. There are too many players in every single game that one defender cannot stay in front of. I get that, but in, in a seven-game postseason series? It tends to change. Yes, it does. It does, and there's better team defense, and there's yeah. more emphasis in, in carrying and effort early on in a game. Um, but you know, but how, during a regular season, yeah, it's how hard many, to stop people. How many games? Like, I would love to see... How many 40-point-plus quarters there have been in the NBA this year? I, it seems to me to be a record. I can't remember more nights looking at games and box scores and seeing more 40-point-plus quarters. Right. It's that, that, amazing that to me um, how, how quickly and how often it happens. But um, one other quick NBA note. Uh, the Trailblazers last night beat the Warriors, and Steve Kerr got thrown out of the game on that. a terrible, terrible call. call. Terrible call. But I bring up the game. Um, it was a, a terrible call made against Draymond Green. I bring up the game because two things. Jake Lehman went off for Portland last night, and he gave the Jordan shrug after one of his three-point uh, – he made three of five from behind the arc, had 17 off the bench in like 24 minutes. He's actually played at times pretty well. They're a good team. Portland's a, a good team. Um, and, uh, by the way, Enos Cantor picked them over the Lakers yeah, yesterday. 
Um, but the other thing that happened during that game is a player that I loved coming out, um, Zach Collins, who got drafted. Uh, was he a top 10 pick out of Gonzaga? He was pretty close to a top 10 pick. I loved him at Gonzaga. He's the guy in the championship game against North Carolina as a freshman that got into foul trouble, and it really impacted the game, that that NCAA final against Carolina. He was the 10th pick. He was the 10th pick? Okay, so he's in Portland, and he got under Clay Thompson's skin last last night. He's, he's one of these guys, he, he talks a lot of trash, plays with an edge, you know, play a little bit dirty at times, and the whole Golden State team was worked up. This is what led to Draymond Green and Steve Kerr eventually getting thrown out. The frustration level. Collins had a block um, on a shot uh, in the fourth quarter of a close game that was a big play. I'm going too long in the NBA again. Yes, <laughs> you are. And I understand this. But if you have a chance, go look at some of the video of him getting into Clay Thompson's face and dropping a couple of f bombs into Clay Clay Thompson's face, and then watch how Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant start trash talking him, Zach Collins, from the bench. Weak, really weak. Nobody took care of it on the floor. They took care of it or tried to take care of it from the bench. Portland really got under hmm. Golden State's skin last night, and they ended up blowing them out down the stretch, which you don't see in a close game. Yeah. Golden State getting – I mean, it was a three-point game with four minutes to go. I think I think Portland won the game by 22 last night. Uh, anyway, okay, that's enough on that. Uh, I wanted to talk about Maryland basketball. Uh, we'll get to that. I want to talk about Flacco, too, and Kirk Cousins and – couple of other things. Plus, I have a, a trivia question for you, which you're going to enjoy. You love it when I give you trivia questions. No, I don't. Uh, you know, I can remember a trivia contest that cost me 250 bucks. <laughs> I didn't do it this year. No, you know that, right? I, I, I know that. All right, Window Nation. Uh, right now, smart shoppers know that the best deals of the year are in the off season. Buy a snowblower, do it during the summer, not during the winter, because you'll pay full price. Well, Window Nation understands this when it comes to windows. They know that if you buy in the off season, you are going to save more than if you buy right before the beginning of winter. So right now, they're offering an amazing deal. Buy two windows, get two free, and you'll get 0% financing for five full years. Now, there's no limit to the buy two, get two free. You can buy 15 and get 30 free. You can buy 24 and get 48 free. There's no limit. If you call by this Sunday and you purchase a house of windows, they'll pay your heating bill until your new windows are installed. You'll save thousands. Window Nation does room-by-room install to cause as little disturbance as possible. Plus, they are paying your heating bill all the while. Window Nation needs to keep the factory busy, their installers busy during these slower months. They want you to buy now. Now, I would urge you, if you've been thinking about windows, to call Window Nation before you call anybody. Because of two reasons. One, they've installed windows in my home twice over the last 10 years, and it totally worked for me and my family. It was a great experience, great price, great customer service, the whole thing. I promise you it'll work out for you as well. But secondly, there's no risk in calling them. They'll send somebody out to your home and you'll get a free estimate. And they're not going to tell you that you have to buy a whole house of windows if you don't really need a whole house of windows. If it's just one room, 
room that they think you need to replace the windows, they'll tell you that. Call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com for the best deal of the year. Buy two, get two free, no limit, plus 0% financing for five full years. That's 866-90-NATION or windownation.com and tell them that I sent you. Uh, all right, before we get to uh, Maryland, which you were at the game uh, the other night, let's talk about Joe Flacco real quickly. And I'm going to start with a trivia question because I want to see how many of these guys you get. Joe Flacco um, yesterday became just the sixth quarterback that won a Super Bowl that got traded. Can you name the other five? Oh, that's interesting. Uh a lot of them in Johnny Unitas. Yep. Joe Namath. Nope. He got traded to the Rams, didn't he? Yeah, but I guess this is post merger because it was still AFL NFL. What do you mean? Did he get traded to the Rams? He's not on the list that I saw. Well, he got traded to the Rams. Did he get traded? Unless he got cut by the Jets and signed by the Rams. He wasn't on this list, but you're right. He won a Super Bowl and ended up playing for another team. Uh okay. I'm going to say uh Joe Montana. Yep. Uh, I'm going to say... Uh, One of them I don't think you'll get. Okay. I, I mean, I, I shouldn't say you, you, you won't get it, but it'll be harder. There are a couple that are very obvious. Uh, Craig Morton. Craig Morton didn't was not the winning quarterback in that Super Bowl. 77? S- uh, no. Oh, he was quarterback for the, for the Broncos then. Broncos That's right. 77 when they right. lost yeah. to the Cowboys, yeah. and he That's started... Right. The 71 Super Bowl that they lost right. to the Colts, but Staubach started the no, Super right. Bowl they won. You're right. Okay. Uh, against the Dolphins, Super Bowl six. Okay. Uh, uh, go ahead. Aaron wants to help out here. Go ahead. Brett Favre. Brett Favre is I, I thought would be one of the easier ones. Okay. And there's another very easy one. Okay. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time got traded because another Hall of Famer ended up replacing him. I said Joe Montana. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> you were so you were so eager. I was thinking to about bust me on this. All right, so you've gotten Unitas, Montana. You just got Favre. What about Trent Dilfer? No. He wasn't traded. He wasn't traded. Hey, look, I've got a list, and it could be wrong. I got this <laughs> off NFL Network this morning, and I just thought it would be perfect for Tommy. What are you punching into your phone? Because I want to find out what happened to Joe Namath. Okay. But you go ahead and finish out the list. Um, Stabler was traded to Houston. That's right. Uh, and Jim McMahon was traded to Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Okay. That, I, right, would, so I would not have gotten Jim McMahon. Probably. That's the one I didn't think you would get. So Favre, Montana, McMahon, Stabler, and Unitas is the list along with Flacco now. So I'm guessing if NFL Network's right that Namath – wasn't traded. Well, that's what I'm looking and, up right now. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, you, you look that up. Um, in the meantime, on the Joe Flacco trade, uh, first of all, I would recommend a column for people to read because it was the one column I was looking for. I was looking for the appreciation column of Joe Flacco in Baltimore, hoping that I would find one, Tommy, and I did. And it was Jeff, and I'm not. I hope I pronounce his last name correctly. Is it Zrybeck or Zrebeck? I think it's Zrebeck. Okay, so he wrote it. He writes for the Athletic, covers the Ravens, and he wrote a very good column 
on Joe Flacco, an appreciation column. And he touched on something that I've always touched on when I have said I am a Flacco fan. And I know that there's this conversation about Joe Flacco, elite quarterback. He's never been elite. I've never said he was elite. I've always been a Joe Flacco fan for many of the reasons that Jeff wrote. Actually, Jeff wrote a lot about the kind of teammate he was, apparently beloved. You know, he also talked about his lack of emotion and total indifference to the opinions about him, which is what we always, we always said about him. Talk the, the value of an uncluttered mind. And, and that's that was Joe <laughs> Flacco. And one of the reasons I think that in pressure moments, he never was phased. And in fact, if you go back through Joe Flacco's career, he played his he played his best football in the biggest moments. He had that incredible, obviously, 2012 you know, right. uh, postseason. But there were many games late in regular seasons and other playoff seasons where Flacco, not the Ravens' defense, was either responsible for the win or responsible for putting them in position to win the game. Flacco was a clutch performer. No matter what you want to say about him as a regular season quarterback, and if you want to cite all of the numbers that make him out to be, you know, a bottom third starter in the NFL for the the, the significant portion of his career, when you go back and you look at the games in December, in late November, against their arch rival, Pittsburgh in particular, he played a lot of great games at Heinz Field that the Ravens won or had a chance to win. But if you go back and look at those games that were elimination games or postseason games, I'm not talking about the first part of his career, but at, you know when he got into that 2011 stretch and on, um, Flacco played his best in the most important moments. And the Ravens would have had more postseason success in recent years if it hadn't been for its defense. And I point that out because it was great last year. It was a great defense the year before, but it let them down in the biggest moments. They had a game on Christmas Day a few years back. They It was essentially for the AFC North. And Joe Flacco drove him down the field in the final three minutes of the game for the go-ahead score. And then the defense gave up a quick, long drive that ended up with a touchdown pass to Antonio Brown on essentially the last play of the game that knocked Baltimore out of the postseason. Last year, uh, or 2017, Joe Flacco brings them back from two scores down in the fourth quarter to give them the lead in a game against the Bengals at home to clinch a playoff spot. And the defense gives up a fourth and 15 touchdown pass on the final play of the game to lose it. Those would have been two additional playoff appearances for the Ravens because Flacco put him in position to do it. He's look, there have been times when I've watched Flacco where I've been like, oh my God, he is awful. And and all of us, all football fans feel that way. But remember this too. He had so many offensive coordinators. He never had much talent offensively to go with, you know, whatever scheme they were running. I mean, Kubiak had he had his best success with Kubiak when right. he was there. Um, but this year, when they had some speed finally with John Brown and Crabtree and a few others, they had some speed um, and some playmaking ability. He was actually off to a decent start. Now, he, he had a couple of bad games, um, but he, he, he was right there with that defense. I think if he had stayed healthy, I think the Ravens would have been a better threat in the postseason. Anyway, if you're looking for a good column on Flacco, 
that guy, Jeff Zriebeck or Zriebeck from The Athletic, wrote the appreciation column. I don't think there were a lot of them. No. And you know what? Although the, in Baltimore there were. He I, wasn't the only one in Baltimore. Uh, look, I, uh, Mike Preston from the Baltimore Sun wrote a similar I haven't. I haven't read that. That basically talked about what a great teammate he was. Incredible teammate. Uh, incredibly uh, classy. And all of his teammates um, yesterday, a lot of them were on social media saying, that was my guy. Yeah. And he apparently was everybody's guy. Um, I, you know, I think I mentioned this during uh, the, the Lamar Jackson run late in the season when the players started getting asked when Joe Flacco was healthy enough to play. And Terrell Suggs, the clear team leader, said, I'm partial to Super Bowl MVP quarterbacks. <laughs> you know, which was a complete uh, and, and unmistakable endorsement to go back to Flacco from yes. the team leader. But they didn't because I think they saw the future. And whether they end up being right or wrong, um, in the moment, I understand it. They drafted Lamar Jackson one overall. I understand it too. And one if in the first round. I but mean. Lamar Jackson has a long way to go. To I agree. An NFL quarterback. And I hope they don't waste what has been the best defensive football team here in the last year and a half anyway of maybe the last five years in the NFL because that is a dominant defense right now. Um, and that's why they got to the postseason. And Jackson was great too. Jackson really was a spark for them. And the offense that they were running with him as a running quarterback and a dual-threat quarterback with that running game, they were, they were Tommy, they had a couple of games where they were running 25 more plays than their opponents because they were running the football, which helped the defense too. Anyway... Look, I'll never say Flacco was an elite quarterback at any point in time, and I understand why a lot of you think that he stinks and that Denver's just made a huge mistake. But don't mistake his overall body of work with what he did in their biggest moments. He was a he delivered in the clutch. Consistently, he played his best football in Baltimore's biggest games, and I think he's going to do the same in Denver. I don't. They've got a great defense. They've got to add another. They've got to add some playmakers. They they've got the kid from SMU, Cortland Sutton, right? Aaron Cortland Sutton. Yes. So they've got Sutton. They've got. And that's it. And Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. They've yeah, got I know that, but they I, need a tight end, I and mean, they need another wide receiver. What about Antonio Brown? They need, to Denver? An, they need an offensive line too. They need help there too. Yeah, but they have the defense that you can win with. Um, one last thing on this, uh, boy, Elway Tommy, he better get this one right. Yeah. Right? Well, he wouldn't be the first franchise icon to fail in the front office. I understand that. I mean, you know, we've seen it. We saw it happen here in Washington with Wes Unseld. We saw it happen in Baltimore with a tragic ending for Mike Flanagan. And uh, you could argue we're watching it happen with Doug Williams here. Yeah, different, though. Different. Elway's not Doug Williams. Doug Williams is not Elway. Yeah, but Um, in this town, you'd be hard-pressed to find bigger icon than Doug Williams. Doug Williams is an icon. He's not a. He's not on the. You know, he's not a top four all, all time Redskin icon. He's not a top ten. Maybe top ten. Oh, I think he's top. Where does? Uh, are we going to do this now? No, we're not going to do this. Good. Okay. Well, it, Doug I, Williams I think you're is a. He's a top ten all time Redskin icon. No doubt about it. It's not top five. I think you're underestimating. Okay. Uh. What else were we going to get to? Uh, you wanted you wanted to talk about Maryland. Basketball. You went to the Maryland game the other yeah. day. All right, go ahead. Yeah, I was kind of curious about your thoughts on it. I didn't get a chance to hear you talk about it. 
You know, and and I got to tell you, Kevin, you know, I, I went over to say hi to you at one point. Where was I sitting? You were sitting in the E section for Elite, I noticed. <laughs> you know? So I went there over there. There is no E section well, for Elite. I went over there, <clears throat> and, and some security thug stops me as I try to go up to see you. And he pulls out this piece of paper, calls this other guy over. I couldn't even see what was on the paper. Was it Dave Elfin? No, no, it wasn't Dave Elfin. I couldn't see what was on the paper. There was some kind of sketch. Mm -hmm. I couldn't know who it was, but I saw the bold letters on the bottom. Please keep this man away from Mr. Sheehan. Was it Chris Cooley? No, it wasn't Cooley. But so I try. I just want you to know I didn't ignore you. I okay. tried to get over All there right. to see no, you. I appreciate the but, effort. But security <clears throat> kept me away. I told them I specifically had a short list of people that I didn't want to see, and I you could, were on it. I could see that you were holding so court up what, there. What did you think of the game? Uh, I was very impressed with Maryland in that second half. I mean, impressed to the point, like you said, that they are a second weekend in the tournament team. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, they're big men, Smith and, and, and Fernando. Uh, what a combination they can be for, for, for any team that, that they've got to face. They're, they play great defense in that, in that second half. They beat a very good team. That, you think that's the best win Turgeon has had uh, at home in Mar- for Maryland? Nah. No? No. It was a pretty impressive win against a, a highly ranked team. No, they. I mean, they beat Michigan State multiple times. At the, home? The, yeah, with with uh, Turgeon. Yeah, they they blew they blew Michigan State out. I think the first two times they played him at home, they had a game uh, the first year in the Big Ten when Maryland was what fifteen and Wisconsin was three. Okay, w- yeah, I remember they, that. Th- weren't they three? Yeah, D- I, didn't they have a win against Virginia early on? In okay, uh, okay, Turgeon's so okay, everybody, too? okay, yeah. everybody, yeah, you yeah, made no, your point. It, 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 the, beating the number twelve team yeah. at home is, I mean. But it's it, a good win for him. It, it, it was a it's good not win. his best win. It was a good win. It may have been one of his more impressive wins in terms of the team. I, I've said this now for two months running. I think it's his best team. I think it's his most talented team. I think it's the I think it's the team, the best Maryland basketball team in terms of its potential in the tournament since 2010, since the Vasquez senior year. I think you might be right. That's why there's a lot of pressure on him. He can't have an early exit. Nope. Not with this team. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, he can't. No. And you know that's the problem with this tournament is you know great teams and great coaches occasionally lose. Yes, they do. You know, in a four thirteen or a five twelve first round matchup. Yeah. And you know if you're a five seed, you're going to play a four in the second round to get to the second weekend, and more likely than not, you'll be an underdog. So it's not. Somebody texted me the other day, Aaron, I may have told you this. Dude, get off Maryland's jock. Unless Hawaii upsets somebody in the first round, they're not going to the Sweet 16. I that's mean... cold-blooded because that's the, the only time that he's gotten them to the Sweet 16. Hawaii upset Cal, right? It was Cal yeah, in the I first mean, round. The, the only people he's beaten in the tournament are Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii South Dakota State. South Dakota State. And um... uh, and they and uh, uh, was it UTEP? It wasn't UTEP. That was a while ago. The, the, was... the game that they beat before West Virginia. Right. When they lost to West Virginia. I, I can't when Melo got who it is. Mello got hurt in that yeah. West Virginia game, and I think they would have had a chance had he stayed healthy. But, man, West Virginia bullied them that oh day. Oh, my God. They beat them they, up. They, they beat them up. They really who did, did they beat in the first round that year? That's going to drive me nuts. Um, but anyway, yes, he's had three tournament wins because they lost to Xavier in the first round in, uh, in Mello's third year. In his junior year. Anyway. So, I mean, I look, I enjoyed the game. 
I, I, I love the fact that big men play such an important part right. in that. That was really great to watch. Valparaiso. And, oh, that's right. And, 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 they just, and it was a close game. Yeah. And they just need to keep – again, I, you know, whatever was wrong in the first half, whether it, uh, it was, uh, you know, whatever Turgeon was calling, I'm thinking why aren't they feeding – Smith and, and, and Fernando inside more because I'm looking at the Purdue big men and, you know, they seem like nice guys, but they were soft. And they had a lot of turnovers in the and, first and, half. And I'm sitting there thinking, I mean, they could get these two big guys, at, you know, with five fouls by, by the end of the first half if they wanted to. It's a really, you know, a lot of you, we've talked about this the last week, are just starting to pay attention to college basketball. And in the area right now, unless you're a Virginia fan, and I don't count Virginia as an area team, I never have, but a lot of Virginia alum, obviously they are a legitimate national championship contender. They're going to be a one seed. But this Maryland team is unique in that they have two six foot eleven guys that are versatile. They both can face, although Sticks, Jalen Smith, their freshman, is more of a face-up player, and he actually can stretch the floor and shoot the three. I actually think Bruno can shoot the three, but that's not part of what he's been this year for them. But they have legitimate low-post players. Yeah, they're fun to watch. And rim protectors. Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, you know, Now you talk about college. And man. they've got a point guard, and they got shooters, and they are a team that has really become, in recent weeks, a good defensive team. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, they have. Now, speaking of college basketball in the area, I was at Shelley's back room last night. Watching having, Georgetown? Watching no, watching George Washington versus St. Louis. And it was at it was at the Smith Center. Who had that on? I don't even know. But that was on the TV. Yeah. And St. Louis beat him, right? Yeah. Uh although GW hung tight till you mm-hmm. know, till right near the end. I couldn't believe how empty the arena was at GW. I mean, I just I guess I mean I covered them when you know, in, in, when the, in when they made the Sweet Sixteen mm-hmm. in the Yankee the Jarvis diary. years, yeah, and uh, I mean that that arena was a ghost town last night. I, it was really stunning how empty it was. Maybe that's the way it is all the time, but uh, I was surprised. You know, this came up spontaneously here um, because I've been thinking about d- doing this on the show recently, but I'll do it right now with you, not for a long period of time. But someone sent me recently the Deadspin story on the GW situation with their athletic director Nero oh and Mike Lonergan. How, how, and let how me ju- warped and ugly it got. Let me just say this, and I know Mike, and I've known Mike for a long time, and yeah, personally, I think Mike is a very good basketball coach, um, an exceptional basketball coach, and had GW going in the right direction, uh, yes. by the way. He was completely railroaded. In this yeah. deal, yeah, completely he was completely railroaded. In he this absolutely deal. was, and I, I don't. It has not gotten a lot of play locally, or perhaps I've just missed it. But I was sent this story just last week, actually, and said, "Why haven't you ever talked about you know the GW situation?" And my immediate reaction is. I don't have an audience that really cares about GW for the most part, but that doesn't matter because we we don't have an audience that cares about a lot of things right. we talk but about. College basketball <clears throat> in the area yes. is better when all when all the teams are competitive. But you know, there were some unfortunate quotes from Mike Lonergan during this situation that made him appear to be homophobic, which I do not believe that he is. 
um, based on all of the uh, data and 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 factual information that's come out after the fact. Um, but there was a major problem with this athletic director when yeah. he was there, and you know, let me Lonergan's not coaching right now. He should be. This situation should not prevent somebody from hiring him, uh, at least to start as an assistant at a Power Five program. I, I agree. And then he could move on from there. I, I agree. And, and part of the problem was a Washington Post story that was totally one sided. One sided. Adam yeah. Kilgore wrote it. Yes, I, it was. Part of it, I went back and read that story, and there was a lot missing from that story. Yes. That would have been more supportive of Lonergan, yeah, um, in in the situation. And I don't know if they ever made that right or not. I don't know. I didn't I, follow I don't, it up to I that extent. I don't think extent. they have. My point was, but you're right about that. You're There's right about also, Mike Lonergan. By, by the way, I'll also concede this: a lot of the Deadspin story is also based. Some of it's based on sources that were anonymous. Yeah, but some of it isn't. Some of it's on the now, record was, stuff. Was, was written by Dave McKenna, probably. Uh, it was okay. I I think Dave McKenna is a, a, a good writer and okay. a good reporter. So I I mean, if Dave McKenna wrote it, I I generally tend to believe it. It, it was. I mean, I just hadn't, and I and I've known Mike for a long time, and I like Mike, and he is. I'm telling you, basketball people, Tommy, know that this dude can coach. I called one of the first broadcasting jobs I had when I left what I was doing before to try to get into broadcasting at sort of a second professional life. One the first gig I got is I was calling Catholic football and basketball games when Mike was at Catholic. Right. So I did several of his games, and I can remember, you know, one of the first games I did, I called my father, who was, you know, who was a coach, you know, many many years ago, and I said, "This dude at Catholic Lonergan, he can just flat out coach him up because he was beating teams, Tommy, on a regular basis that had so much more talent." Than his team had. But he can really coach. You ask Gary. Gary had him for one year as an assistant. Gary will tell you, Mike can coach. Yeah. Like everywhere he went, Vermont, he won. GW. You know, they won the NIT right before he was fired. Right. Um, and he had that thing going in, in I think, a positive direction. Well, but that anyway. program is a disaster right now. Seems to be. Yeah. MT, MT Arena. Uh, not not the GW games that I I remember covering. No, well, I mean GW has always been hit and miss. I know, you know, but yeah, I mean in the in the nineties they had a couple of the they they had a Sweet Sixteen yes, season. That was my point. That's the year well, I covered. Was them. it one or two Sweet Sixteens that they one. had? I think it was one with Sweet Jarvis. 16. Yeah, that was the Yankee Dari right. Yankee Dari uh, teams. I mean, there there were years, there. and that was when the Atlantic Ten was was really good. Well, the A-10's good now. I know. I mean, although was, this year I it's mean, not great. That was the Atlantic 10 when, when Calipari was coaching at Massachusetts, when John oh, yeah. Chaney was coaching oh, at Temple. Yeah. 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 Um, the, the A-10, because of all the conference reshuffling, is a different league now. And it's actually having an off year. But, you know, VCU's had some really good seasons recently. Yes, Davidson's have. had some really good teams. Actually, Mason got off to a really good start in the conference this year. I don't know where they are now, Aaron. Um, but they at one point, I think they were like 8-1 and one or 7-1 and one in the league. Dayton's decent, I think. The only reason I know this is because I bet a lot. <laughs> and um, uh, but GW's awful. Uh, Davidson, I, I Davidson and VCU probably are the two best teams in that league. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, 
All right. Uh, I got a couple of other things, but real quickly, Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. Consider them if you're thinking about something new. If you're thinking about, you know, a Chrysler Pacifica or a Dodge Caravan or a Jeep Wrangler or Jeep Grand Cherokee, they also have a Subaru dealership. Consider Farish and Fairfax. First of all, it's easy to get to, even for all of you Maryland people. It's not that hard to get to. They're right off the Beltway in Fairfax, heart of Fairfax, um, right there in Fairfax Circle. Ralph Perkins runs the dealership. He's a good friend of mine. Ask for Ralph when you get there. He will take good care of you. Right now, plenty of rebates on some of the vehicles that are typically among the top movers, the Jeep Cherokee, the Jeep Grand Cherokee, and the Jeep Wrangler. They just have a lot of inventory on their lot, and they, they want to move it, so you're going to get a great deal on all three of those vehicles. Same goes for the Ram pickup. Um, you can go to FarishCars.com and see live pricing, live inventory, and their best deals. A um, couple of things I wanted to mention real quickly before I get to Kirk Cousins, uh, because Mike Florio wrote a story yesterday that I want to talk about briefly. But John Orand, who writes for Sports Business Daily, Tommy, yes, you know, and has been a, a good friend of, of the show over the years, um, he had a bunch of NFL schedule information that I think some of you may have missed um, in the last couple of days. First of all, you may recall, because uh, I think we mentioned it here, that the NFL, more likely than not, is not going to have the Super Bowl champion open up the 2019 NFL season in that Thursday night, you know, NBC opening game of the year spot. It's the 100th year anniversary of the league, and there's going to be a heavy focus on national television games having, you know, 100-year anniversary connections. Right, so they're going to the origins of the league. So the Packers and the Bears, who have the longest-running rivalry in the history of the NFL, are going to open up the NFL season, according to Orand, this isn't definite, but this is what he's reporting will likely happen. It'll be the Bears and the Packers on September 8th, Thursday, September 8th, to open up, uh, or September 5th, I think it is, um, to open up the NFL season in Chicago. So Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at the Bears to open up the season. Uh, He also had a lot of reporting about the Thanksgiving Day games. And for the first time, the Redskins played three straight years on Thanksgiving. Cowboys, Giants, Cowboys. Uh, The Redskins are not going to play on Thanksgiving this year. (laughs) I'm happy about that. Uh, The the Thanksgiving Day games are going to be Chicago-Detroit early, then Dallas hosting Miami. Um, and do you, and this is interesting because I, I, when I when I read this, I'm like, man, you know, Dallas and Miami have played. They've played a lot on Thanksgiving. You know, you had the famous Leon Lett, you know, yeah. snow ice storm game. This will be their fifth meeting, an AFC and an NFC team. Miami Dallas fifth meeting on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, so it'll be Miami Dallas in the afternoon game, and then the night game. Eagles at Vikings is being reported that the NFL is leaning towards an Eagles at Vikings Thanksgiving night game. The Sunday night opener will involve New England. And John uh, wrote in his column that he thinks because it, it's the NFL schedule is an interesting deal because you know you got CBS, you got Fox, you got NBC, you got ESPN, and then you got the NFL Network. Um, but This particular season upcoming, the marquee matchups on paper anyway, are heavily tilted towards NFC matchups. 
like the Rams play the Saints, the Rams play the Bears, the Saint, the Rams Saints rematch will be a big one. By the yes. way, it's going to be in L.A. Um, and the AFC matchups aren't as numerous, so CBS is going to try to keep all of their their AFC matchups, which means a lot of the NFC matchups may go to NBC and ESPN. So you may see a a, a heavily weighted NFC schedule on in prime time this year. So he said that New England may open up with the Giants instead of the Chiefs, which is a game that CBS is going to want to have yes. at some point later in the season. So that was his guess that it'll be the Sunday night opener will be New England against the NFC team that they face at home, which will be the uh which will be the Giants. Uh, but anyway, so some NFL schedule news there. Uh, the Reds, I would think, given the hundredth year anniversary and the emphasis on you know rivalries that go way back, that the Redskins are going to be in a primetime game against the Cowboys, which is usually a given anyway, um, or the Giants. One of those two. The Redskins Giants, I think, is the longest running NFC East rivalry. I think that that rivalry is longer than Giants Eagles. Uh, yeah, I, I believe it is. I think I, I think I, I I could look that up very easily, but that's my guess. Um, but anyway, uh, that's some NFL schedule news. Then I wanted to get to Kirk Cousins because on Tuesday I told you that I was really really getting to the point where, like, <laughs> I was starting not to like him uh, on social media. He's just he's become unbearable on social media. I mean, almost you know the. The look at me, the the need for attention is Griffin-like in some ways. And Listen, I, I, I mentioned this yesterday when I was on with Chad Dukes on 106.7 The Fan. There's got to be a page somewhere in the Bible that tells him, you know, to shut up on social media. <laughs> yeah, right, There's got to be some, somebody. some book or some proverb or something that talks how wise it is after you've basically angered your entire fan base not to show your face until the start of football season again. Isn't that true? There really? has to be. There has to be some sort of humility passage yes. or proverb I mean, or verse that, that somebody could cite back to him to say basically what it says in 2019 terms. <laughs> shut uh, up! The Lord says to shut up. Yes! Now! Yes. Um, but he isn't. No. Uh, it's unbelievable. And so when Flacco got traded to Denver yesterday, and Denver admitted that they're going to move on from Case Keenum, uh, Mike Florio on Pro Football Talk wrote a story, could Case Keenum end up back in Minnesota? And he writes, the possibility will be quickly dismissed because the Vikings have quarterback Kirk Cousins under contract for two more years at fully guaranteed compensation packages of $28 million in 2019 and $30 million in 2020. But let's not dismiss it immediately, he says, about trading Case Keenum back to Minnesota and then moving on from Kirk Cousins after a year. If the Vikings could find a trade partner for the balance of the Cousins deal, they'd only take a cap hit of $2 million. And the reason for that is the deal was all guaranteed. So yeah. it's all salary. Yeah. It wasn't signing bonus. No. It was all guaranteed salary. Um, and he says the three teams to be possibly uh, to that should be possibly watched as potential suitors for Kirk Cousins after one year are the Bengals with new coach Zach Taylor, who worked with, you know, Sean McVay. 
Um, and uh, and the Jaguars with former Vikings offensive coordinator John DiFilippo, who is now the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville. Um, even though DiFilippo has ties to Nick Foles, too. I mean, he was the offensive yeah, coordinator and, for and, Nick Foles. And, and, and some people think DiFilippo was the problem in Minnesota. Uh, and didn't get along with Kirk, yeah. I thought. Um, and then he writes, the third possibility is the Giants. Per a league source, Giants coach Pat Shermer was the one that lobbied the Vikings to sign Kirk Cousins in the first place before taking the head coach position in New York. Uh, anyway, let me just say before we get to the Kirk Cousins and, you know, and, the, and the social media thing, no chance this is going to happen. Uh, for those of you that were sending it to me saying, look, the Vikings are trying to trade him. No, this was not the Vikings trying to trade him. This was Mike Florio suggesting that it's a possibility. You know, it wasn't a report. All right. It was him, you know, throwing this out there as a, as a possibility. Um, but they're not trading Kirk Cousins after one season. <clears throat> and I will tell you why. Because if you read in Minnesota... If you follow the Minnesota feeling about Kirk Cousins, yes, there are plenty of people who thought he was terrible and and thought it was too much money and don't want him there. But the football people and the writers in town, um, in the media, in that particular market, recognize more than anything else that they had an offensive line problem, not a quarterback problem. Anyone will tell you that, that followed the Vikings this year and watched them, that in fact, during the first portion of the season, and yes, they lost some games like to the Bills as 17-point favorites, and Kirk didn't play well in that game. Hey, he didn't play well in a lot of games, but in a lot of games that they won, they won because of him Right. Um, early on when they had no running game, when the defense wasn't playing well, and their offensive line was as bad as any all year long. With that said, my God, if if people wanted in Minnesota to give him the benefit of the doubt, his social media crusade here in the offseason um, that makes him appear to be completely detached from the results of his first season yeah, absolutely are a major turnoff. You know, I, he's so desperately, I think, after being under the thumb here in Washington, he so desperately wanted to be a star in his own mind. Uh, and now he's got the contract that a star gets. I think he doesn't understand why he's not a star. I, You know, somebody sent me his interview with Dan Patrick. I guess he was on with Dan Patrick um, last week. <clears throat> I think it was last week. Uh, anyway, um, uh, he, he said that with respect to the 2018 season, could it be viewed uh, as a success on any level? He said, the short answer is no, we didn't make the playoffs. There were high expectations. We didn't deliver. And I've been frustrated since the season ended. Um, I wish the 2019 season started tomorrow. I'm ready to go and make amends for 2018. You know, that, uh, th that is, that's the Kirk Cousins that, you know, people, you know, Nate Burleson said something the other day uh, in talking about Kirk Cousins, and he said, one of the reasons that it'll be better in year two is that he never once threw anybody under the bus. He took accountability all year long, despite the fact that the offensive line was terrible, and teammates respect that. 
And the Minnesota teammates are going to respect that about Kirk. And that's always served him well wherever he's been, is he's never publicly thrown anybody under the bus and he's taken accountability. That's fine. But stay off social media because I can't imagine Stefan Diggs and you know, and all of their playmakers are sitting there watching him throw on a beach and, and, you know, putting a poll out about the things that, you know, his fan base wants him to give away. And yeah, you know what they most of them said, your salary, your salary. Yeah. I mean, you know what, again, uh, everything you said about, you know, they're not moving on from Kirk Cousins. They, they didn't just bring in Gary Kubiak as the new uh, offensive advisor coordinator there, whatever his title is. Uh, to turn around and trade Kirk Cousins after that. No, they want to give this. They think they brought in the quarterback guru to help Kirk Cousins with whatever issues he may have had. And like you said, the offensive line were, was one of his biggest issues. That said, he is he's getting bad advice. Uh, he's he's walking in Robert Griffin the third shoes. I you know he sh- he should know more yes. than anybody how this can backfire. Yeah. You know, it's really, um, I don't know. He's not the only one that does this, you know, uh, but it, but he's, in a, his, tar- he's, he's a, target. a target. Yes. He doesn't understand. He should understand that he's a target. It really, it either makes, you could either say he's trolling the, the, the term the kids use today yes. about social media. And he's basically just saying, look at this. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to put out a picture of me lifting weights talking because this was the tweet yesterday. Big thanks to Chad cook in whatever the weightlifting or training group is for getting me ready for the next season. He posts a video of himself, you know, lifting, you know, uh, some weights. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? No, I mean, I mean that was look, really look, look embarrassing. At your, look at your look at the responses. Y- you know, I, I just—it's an immaturity. It's an immaturity. It speaks to something that's troubling. Like, as, you know, I love Kirk Cousins. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's going to get better, and I think he will be productive, and I think he will be successful. But for those of you that used to say you know, uh, about uh, Tommy and I, and then Cooley and I talking about Griffin and his, you know, you would never say that about, I'm saying it about Kirk Cousins. It's off-putting. When athletes do this, it, there is this sense that they have completely detached themselves from the reality of their results and their team results. And it makes them look incredibly self-absorbed. Yeah, it it, it really does. And, And he needs to stop. He, he needs, needs to stop. He does. So I I responded to somebody who sent me the tweet about him lifting the weights, and I said, and I responded, I thought I was just responding to this one guy. This is what an idiot I am, but I apparently was also responding to Kirk as well. Um, I responded as he's lifting those weights. He's getting stronger for all those five-yard checkdown throws. Oh, oh, <laughs> And I had so many people say to me, oh, my God, you've lost it. You're done with Kirk. I'm not like Cronkite on Vietnam. (laughs) I really I can't tell you how disappointed I am. Like I you I'm you and I have one thing in common, and that's basically it. We can't stand conceit. We cannot stand 
people who are so fond of themselves. Except for us, of Except course. Except for us, of course. <laughs> and these, especially when they have not accomplished yes. you know, what it is. Yeah, that we, you exactly. Know. And this guy is out of his mind. Yeah. He got paid. And I went back, and if you look at the tweeting from Washington, it was never at this level, volume level. He tweeted a lot. He was active on social media, but not... The look at me stuff. I think again, if I as a psychological profile from afar, I think he desperately wants wanted to. I thought I think he thought, well, now I'm the star quarterback in Minnesota. I'm out from under the Redskins' thumb. I'm the highest paid player in the history of the NFL. Now I'm a star, and I get all the trappings that come with being a star, and that includes. Everyone hanging on every word I say on social media. You know, who knows? Maybe he thinks he's, he's, maybe he's, I don't, I have, I don't know what the motivation is. See, that's the hard part. I mean, what I just did there, that was a stretch. I don't really think that's the motivation. I don't know what the motivation is. I don't know if he's helping some kind of ministry by doing this, if he's getting some kind of charitable, charitable donations by, by tweeting like he is. I just don't know the motivation you know what? for doing it. I think you just hit on something. I think there is a I think, you know, he is smart. He is thinking about the brand. You know, I hate when these athletes think about their brand. Their brand should be thinking about winning. And if you win, all that other stuff will take care of itself. But he's thinking about his post career. His father's a preacher. He's very religious. You know, we heard that the religious thing in Washington wasn't the favorite of uh, several people in management. Right. You know, that his, you know, he's very, very religious. He's very much a teetotaler. He's very, you know, anyway. And he, he, but does, he does a lot of ministry work around the world. Right. So this is what he's thinking about, I think, post-career. So... You know, while he has the spotlight, while it's focused on him, you know, he's going to he's going to use it to a certain degree to try to build up the congregation, I guess. I guess so. I don't know. I mean, I I know this that he better play well next year. You know, it, in any situation if And it, I tell you what, not just that, but they better win. Oh yeah, they better That's win. That's what they bet they better do. They no, better no, win. No, no, you're right. Yeah. You're right. There's there's actually he is now He's probably given up the opportunity to throw for 5,000 yards, 35 touchdowns, seven picks, be a Pro Bowl quarterback on a 9-17. and 17. Yeah. That team's got to be better than he's that. He's being judged by team results now. You know, it, it, again, and I am not, even though many of you believe that I am, uh, per, you know, <laughs> other people's, uh, you know, portrayals, but I'm not a stats person. But the truth is that Kirk is coming off his best season statistically. Yes. I mean, that's the irony of this, is that he actually had a decent season in aggregate, in total. 30 touchdowns, 10 picks, best on both fronts, threw for you know 4,300 yards, uh, set over 70% completion percentage. But, but this is the difference between this past year and other years, in my view, because I watched a lot of these Vikings games, some of these games were winnable by him had he played better. 
In Washington, the defense was so bad in 15, 16, and 17 that a lot of those games, they were just in it because of him. Yes. In Minnesota, you know, Chicago was a good defensive team. He played poorly in that final game that they had to win to clinch a playoff berth. The offensive line was terrible too, and the defense wasn't any good in that game, but he was bad in that game. Um, he was not good enough in the game at Chicago on that Sunday night. He wasn't good enough at Seattle, although that that's an interesting game because there was a terrible missed call that prevented them from a chance to tie the game late. The final score was not reflective of, of the game. If you recall, um, Bobby Wagner jumped over to right. block the field goal. It was a clear penalty. It was called. They picked up the flag, etc. Um, but you know there were games that he needed to elevate the team, and he didn't. I felt like in Washington in 2015, 16, and 17 that there were plenty of examples of him lifting the team to be competitive in games that they either won or lost. But most of the time when they won or lost the, uh, the, when they lost the game, it was because they had one of the worst defenses in the league, which yes. they did with no running game most of the time as well. Anyway, yeah, I'm sick of him. I am sick of Kirk <laughs> Cousins right now. I'm, I'm going to root for him next year. I want him to have a good season. I want to be proven right on this more than anything else. I just want to look good. I want to be proven right that he uh, is capable of being look a quarterback. You know, Aaron, what an honest moment that is when we think I've about it. I've always said that about Ke- Kirk. But, but, I but, want to be right about but, him. But Kevin but I, just said, I want to be proven right. You know, ultimately, privately, this is a little secret that we need to reveal. Not just about you, but about everybody in this business. Well, it's about fans, too. Yeah, I know that. But for us... That's what we want more than anything. We want to we want to be proven right. You know what? That is a hundred percent true. But I I will give you the exceptions. The exceptions are when it comes to the teams that I really have a significant rooting interest yes, in. I know that's different. I w- it, when I've predicted them to be lesser than w- I want them to prove me wrong. That's in true. those cases. I agree. I, I would I know much that. prefer that. But look, I've said uh, uh, so. You, you're acting like this is a big revelation. No, I, I, th- I think I it is be, a big I w- revelation. I don't think it is. I, I want to be proven right about Kirk Cousins, but I will also say in the same breath that to a certain extent, I was already proven right. <laughs> I was proven right when no one thought he was worthy of being a starting quarterback. Of course he was. And that you couldn't win with Kirk Cousins. And to a certain degree, he got him to the playoffs. And in a franchise that's had zero success, he broke, he shattered Six or seven franchise records as the quarterback here. Doesn't help because they didn't win anything with him, but if they had given him a better defense and a better coaching staff, they may have won something with him. You know, but I you, do... you just, just don't know when to stop. <laughs> you just don't uh, know when to stop. Go to launchworkplaces.com uh, for a really good, fully furnished office space solution or co-working desk. They've got high-speed internet. They've got a great location right in Bethesda, but they've got other locations around town. Launchworkplaces.com. Free two-day trial if you mention my name. Call 240-800-6714. I love doing this show with you. So do I. I tell you, it's my favorite, my favorite part of the week. And it's a shame I'm not going to be here for the next uh, week. Going on another vacation. Well, no, I actually, mean, I'm working next week. Huh? I'm working. I'm going to spring training. 
I know. I'm going to West Palm Beach. But, when I land on Sunday, but, you know, this, the weather will be 82 degrees but and so, sunny. And it's going to snow here over the weekend. <laughs> but some of the trips that you've made, like there was that one year where you and Chuck went down to spring training and you did the show from a bench. A picnic bench they in the middle even, of a field. They wouldn't even let you inside the facility. You know, that's, that's the greatest accomplishment in the history of, of, of 980. Not only that... But we did it from a park, from a picnic bench in the middle of a field, ordered lunch during the broadcast, and it got delivered to the picnic <laughs> table in the middle of the field. And then we get Mike Rizzo to ride you over did. on a golf cart from the stadium to sit at the picnic bench and be a guest. But I'll, I'll take this quick opportunity for some inside baseball stuff that you and I have talked about sort of subtly or directly in the past. This is why... It was so frustrating for those of us at 980 to work with a team that had no interest in helping us, but helping the competitor. <laughs> Literally, we were a rights holder, and we were owned by Dan Snyder and, and his Red Zebra company, and they would go out of their way to not help us, but help the competitor. Yes. And then in the Nationals' case, they do the right thing. They the stuck with their rights they holder. They stick with their rights holder. And if you're not a rights holder, it's really hard to get that, you know, to get yeah, access. To basically to get to broadcast right. from the stadium, yeah. which was reasonable. Yeah, it was It was really quite remarkable for all of us, you know, over the years to be like, wait a minute, we're the rights holder. And your, your owner owns us, but yet we can't get that person on our show, but you're going to put them on 1067. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, anyway, speaking uh, of 1067, let me yeah. just do a little plug for your, your, your parents and, with, with Chad, uh, not only Andy and, and I, then you and Andy, Andy and I Saturday and Sunday mornings starting at nine o'clock, but Andy and I will be filling in for Chad Friday afternoon. So we're, we're as doing, in tomorrow, as in yes, tomorrow, as in okay. tomorrow. So Good. we're doing the afternoon drive. Is that four to seven? No, Kevin, that that's, those are bankers hours. I'm sorry. That's two to six, two to six, baby. two to six thirty. Got it. So 2 to 6.30 tomorrow, you and Andy yes. filling in for Chad on 106.7 The Fan. I will be listening to that tomorrow. Okay. I'm going to listen to that. All right. Um, and I, I'll tell you this. When you guys do your Saturday morning thing, it's great. It's awesome. Thank and you. if you're in the car on Saturday and Sunday morning, listen to 106.7 The Fan for Andy uh, and Tom. Um, all right. Have a good trip to spring training. I do want to talk to you from there because there could be a lot of news next week. There could week. be. Look, I'll be calling in, baby. I'll be, I'll just be a phone call away for you. How's that? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> uh, all right. Have a great day.